We're looking at Romans. Remember last week we looked at God's salvation plan. And, and it's clearly laid out for us in, in Romans 10. And what we find there is that we need to have a clear understanding of the gospel. Remember that? We need to know that the righteousness that we attain does not come by law. But the righteousness comes by faith in the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. When you have a clear understanding of the gospel, you begin to understand it's not about us. And what we can do, it's about Christ and what he's already done. It takes all the pressure off of you because you understand that you can't do it alone. You need the help of God Almighty to carry you through. And so we found out that that is the first point of, under, of, of growing in, in the gospel and understanding God's plan for salvation. And then we found out from chapter 10 that we need to proclaim the gospel. People need to hear the good news. People need to hear that there's an answer. And there's people all around us that are needy of salvation. Amen? They're trying to go through life on their own. They're trying to settle their problems on their own. They're trying to attain a right standing with God on their own, and it can never be done. So it's our responsibility, it's our commission for us to go out, out of these four walls, and share the good news with people around us. And then we found out that God's salvation plan is not only do you have to understand it, not only should we share it, but we also have to believe it. We're saved by what we believe, not by what we do. And so as you grow in that and as you take it out, you have to go to people and say, wouldn't you love to believe in this Jesus who I'm talking about? And I, be I bet you 90% of the chance people will be saying, I need Jesus in my life and I want to put my faith in him. Amen? If every person is doing that, many people will be getting saved. And I asked you last week or I challenged you um, that how many of us have shared Christ in our families? How many of us take some time to just share Christ in our families? Praise God. How many of us share Christ in our, in our work? I have some, a great testimony about that. We went and we took um, the paper to the schools. And we went to Seminole High School, and, and the, the, the um, superintendent, thank you, Mike, the superintendent of Seminole High School uh, came out, and he, uh, he, he ta was talking about, first of all, how thankful he was. He could not believe that a church would go out of their way and bless the schools like that. He, we were proclaiming the gospel with good, with good deeds. But in that, one of the maintenance people came to me, and said, there's this lady that, that, that goes to your church, and she was showing me pictures of a baptism that happened at her house. And he was impacted in such a great way that I could see the Lord just moving in his heart. Can I tell you something? We need to be about our Father's business wherever we're at. We need to make a difference for Jesus wherever we're at because God wants to save people, and people need to be saved. So... It's just wonderful to see that happening. And the next step is we need to have people believe the gospel. So now we're going into chapter 11. 
And the Holy Spirit is leading Paul to explain the condition of national Israel. One of the important things that we need to grab a hold of is that Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 are really dealing with Israel, the nation, the ethnicity, that, that, that people group. And in that, I love the way that John Stott put it. He's a wonderful Bible scholar. I, 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 I did a lot of studying this week to see what people would say about this chapter because it's kind of a difficult chapter. In fact, a lot of pastors, when's the last time anyone heard a sermon on chapter 11 of Romans? Right. That's what I thought. Chapter 8, oh, let's preach about that. We're talking about mountaintops. But chapter 11, he deals with some things that are that sometimes kind of difficult to understand, but I don't think we should shy away from things in the Bible. I think that we should look at things in the Bible because if it's in the Bible, it must be important. Right? So uh, Bible scholar John Stott, he writes, Paul began these three chapters with the tragic paradox of Israel's condition. Uniquely privileged by God, and yet entrenched in unbelief. This was not attributed to either unfaithfulness or injustice on the part of God, but rather both to his own purpose in election, in other words, God chose, and also Israel's stumbling over Christ and her obstinate rejection of God's persistent advances. Do you remember when I mentioned uh, either last week or the week before that about Jesus lamenting in Jerusalem and saying, oh Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, how I have sent messengers to, uh, or how, how I have wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. And so he lamented because Israel was rejecting the purposes of God or the advances of God and ultimately she rejected the Messiah. And so today I want to talk about, I, I titled this, this sermon, a remnant of Israel. A remnant of Israel. So let me pray, and then we'll read the whole chapter 11. Father God, thank you for uh, this gathering, this first service. Lord, as we, as we uh, dig into your word, I pray that you will give us an understanding of what you are speaking to your people today. Lord God, and what you meant when you spoke to your people when this was written, because I think it's important for us to understand that as well. And Lord, as we, as we, uh, as we uh, receive this message, as we listen to the words of, of, of your written uh, scripture, I pray that you will just be with me as I speak, Lord God, and that the things that I say will glorify you, um, because that's my, that's my heart and my desire is to, is to glorify you in whatever I say. So I am just your messenger, Lord. I pray that your message comes out clear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. So he starts out and he says, I ask then, did God reject his people? He's talking about the nation of Israel. By no means. I am an Israelite myself a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, 
there is a remnant chosen by, stay with me, grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, if it were grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain. The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. Again, I ask. Did they stumble as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression me means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection about reconciliation to the world, what, for if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. Who's he talking to right there? Gentiles, very good. If you do consider this, you do not support the root. But the root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider therefore the kindness and the sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness otherwise you will be cut off and if they do not persist in unbelief they will be grafted in for God is able to graft them in again who's he talking to right there about the Jews after all if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree how much more readily will these the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles have come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, the patriarchs being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. 
just as you were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. From this text, I brought four points that I think will help us to get an understanding. And I'm not pretending here to know everything. Amen. There are some things that we search in the scriptures and we say, Lord, give us understanding. And God gives us understanding sometimes now, sometimes progressively. Amen. But there are four things that stand out to me that are pretty apparent in this in this passage. And the first point is that there is a remnant of Israel. What we find in scripture is the reality of a remnant. People who have chosen God, but more importantly, people that have been chosen by God. You can think about Noah. You can think about Enoch in the Old Testament. You can think they hadn't done anything, and yet God chose them to be spokesmen for him. And so we see that God chooses and God uses people. And these kinds of people, they walk to a different beat than the people around them. If you see the remnant of God, they will not be the status quo. They will not do the things that the world is doing because God is moving in them and he's moving through them. Amen? And so there's a remnant that we find. Romans reminds us again of this fact when we look at national Israel. We must not forget what we learned last chapter. Israel needs to be saved by faith and not by works, just like the Gentiles, as Abraham is our example. Abraham was the father of Israel, and the Bible tells us about him that he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So it will be the same for everybody. Everyone will have to place their faith in God, and namely, put their faith in the Messiah, who has been sent, who is God in the flesh, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? Or else Paul would never have said his heart and his longing was for the people of Israel to be saved. We have to look at the whole context of chapter 9, 10, and 11. Paul repeatedly said, my heart, my longing is for my countrymen to be saved. If they didn't need to be saved through Jesus, if they were saved just because they were sons of Abraham, then they wouldn't need Jesus. But Paul said, no, they need to be saved. Amen? And so in chapter 11, he starts by saying, I say then, God has not rejected his people. Has he? May it never be. For I too am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. The apostle Paul states, God did not reject the people, reject his people. And what he's saying is, look at me. 
I'm an example that God did not reject his people. And when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, you look at a, a life at someone that was uh, not only uh, not seeking for Christ, but he was actually opposing the things of Christ because he was trying to capture Christians. And actually not trying, he was doing that. He was going out to incarcerate them and even was approving of them being killed. But what I see in the scriptures is that God interrupted Paul's own plan to save sinners by the law. And he revealed his plan of salvation through faith in Jesus by grace. And when you look at, uh, at the, the background, it really helps us to understand it. In chapter 9, we read where Jesus spoke to Ananias. And this is after Jesus had met Saul, who, who became Paul, on the road to Damascus. And he blinded him. And he let him go to Damascus, and, and Paul was seeking what he was supposed to do. Jesus had a plan for him, and we see it kind of uh, play itself out in chapter 9. And he's talking to Ananias, and this is what he says to him. Ananias was a Christian who, who was uh, in, in, the, in the city of Damascus. He said, get up and go to the street called Straight. This is Jesus talking to him. And inquire at the house of Judas for a man named Tarsus, I mean a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a young man or a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, he said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine. To bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. You see, beloved, the Apostle Paul understood remnant. The Apostle Paul understood being chosen. There's something that happened, and I mentioned this to you about my life, and many of you could say this to me about your life, that, that you were doing your own thing, you were living your own life, you were just living and there's something that happened that you found, you started to believe that there was something missing from your life. And you might have been around a lot of other people, but they weren't asking the same question, but you were. You began to understand that God was working on your heart, the Holy Spirit was working on you, so that he could bring you to the love of God through Jesus Christ. So Paul was going, he was chasing all these Christians. He was at battle with the way. The way is what the church was called before it became the church. And, and so he was out to get them, and Jesus met him on the road, and he completely changed his life to the point that those that came around him were apprehensive because they knew that he was the one that was imprisoning them. And they must have thought, think about this. If you had someone in your life that was completely against you, and maybe completely against Christianity. And when they came to God, wouldn't you just say, I, I, what, what are you trying to do? You have something up your sleeve? But the Apostle Paul became so radical for the things of God because he actually was confronted by his Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to say this, beloved. Some of you in here today, it takes a confrontation with our Lord. It takes us for us meeting him. For our lives to be changed completely. Amen. In fact, God brought some of you here today so that you could meet Jesus for the first time. Not so that you could be in a church service. That's okay. But so you can meet the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
And so that's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. Those who were chosen by God and those who answered God's calling are the remnant. And he understood that because he was one. In Romans 11, he could confidently explain God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Now, now let's just look at that. You see, God foreknows. That means before you know, he already, he's already in the background. He already knows. Before I said, Lord Jesus, I need you, he said, there's coming a day when you will come to me. Because he's God. Amen? And so he, he's talking about the Israelites. He says, I know the plan that I have for the Israelites. God does. Now, people don't know that, but God does. Do you believe that? Do we know that because the Bible shows us that? When, when Peter, uh, before he ever denied Jesus, Jesus told him, let me tell you, Peter, that before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. Or before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened because he knows the future. So that's exactly what he, what's going on right here. Those whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scriptures say in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and they tore down your altars. I am the only one left and they are trying to kill me. And what was, what was the, uh, God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bound, bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. This really helps me. Have you ever felt all alone in your walk? Have you ever felt there is no one else doing the things of God? Oh, boy, that really, that's when you puff your chest out. Elijah just killed all these priests. Think about it. I mean, he's the man. He's God's man. And after that, guess what? He runs. And he goes to God or God finds him in a cave. And he says, God, I am the only one left. No one else is serving you. And God says, uh-uh. You don't make that call. I do. And there's 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Satan, to the forces of the devil. And it helps us to understand that when you're living in this world, and it seems like the world is so contradictory to us, that there are many that are going to stand for the things of God. There's always a remnant. There's always the people that are going to stand for the things of God. They're not going to take a step back. And it's not because of you. It's not because of me. I will never be able to stand before Jesus Christ, before God Almighty, and say, look at what I've done for you. I will stand there and say, thank you for everything that you have done through me and for me. Thank you for every opportunity that you've given me. Thank you for you placing people in my life. Thank you that you prepared them even before I said a word. Because you had a remnant. And you chose people. Amen? And that's exactly what, what, what Paul is grabbing a hold, a hold of here. You know, he persecuted the church. And he was in agreement of the killing, uh, of, the killing of innocent Christians. He was there. When Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned to death, and not only was he there, he said, why don't you guys put your jackets, your cloaks, right here by me. And he took care of them as they stoned Stephen. But there was a complete heart change as Christ chose him on his way to Damascus. And from that day, Paul made it his aim to proclaim the gospel to 
to Jew and Gentile alike. In fact, he goes on and he writes, to the Jew, I became as a Jew. To the Gentile, I became just like the Gentile. To the barbarian, I became just like a barbarian so that I could win some. Amen? He understood that there would be opposition. He understood that, that, that the gospel would, would bring a lot of heartache because G God, Jesus even told Ananias, he said, I must show him how he must suffer for my namesake. And how many of us know that sometimes we suffer for the name of Christ? But it's all worth it because of how good he is. He understood he was going to have opposition, okay? But there were many Jews that opened their hearts to Jesus. An example of this is Acts 21. And he's meeting with leaders of the church. He's meeting with, with uh, Peter, the apostle Peter. He's meeting with James, who was a pillar of the church in Jerusalem. He's meeting with all these leaders. And, the, and I, I took a little piece of this just so you guys could grab a hold of it. Uh, verse 19 through 21 says, Paul greeted them. And he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. And they said to Paul, you see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed? I want you to just kind of look at that real quick. So in that time, there was a remnant that had already believed. And this remnant were Jewish. Are you with me? Thousands, it says there. And... But the Gentiles were opening their hearts, and a lot of the Jews were hardening their hearts. And we're going to see why. And all of them are zealous for what? For the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. So many Jews had believed, but from this text in Acts, we see how difficult it was for them to grab a hold of grace. They still held on to their customs, and they still held on to their traditions. Are you with me? Okay, so it helps us to understand that customs and traditions can sometimes distort grace. Anyone in here ever come from a tradition? In church, and maybe you've done things a certain way, and you come, and the Bible might be contrary to your tradition. So you have to make a choice. Either I'm going to believe the gospel, or I'm going to hold on to my tradition. And so that's exactly what was going on right here with, with the, the Jews. So there was, they were having a real difficult time with pure grace. Point number two. There's a role for the Gentiles. Just like the Jews have a major role to play in God's master plan, the Gentiles are also active in his purposes. I have to start out with a key verse. John 3.16 says, God so loved the Jewish nation, Caucasians, Asians, Mexicanos, you knew that was coming. Cubanos, Argentinians. No, it says God so loved the world. And that's why he gave his only begotten son. 
and we know the rest of it, that if anyone will believe in him, they're not going to perish, but they're going to have everlasting life and an abundant life with God. Amen? So God, God's plan includes all of humanity. Man, that should make you just sit up straight and go, he's talking about me. There's no one that is excluded from God's plan. He wants for all to be saved. There are no favorites with God. And that's why in this chapter, the Holy Spirit instructs us Gentiles not to boast. For we've been grafted into spiritual Israel, and we are only a branch. He's talking to them at that time. In the, in the, in the historical context, he's talking to the Gentiles at that time. How easy is it for us to boast and brag about what we, who we are? Well, I go to Living Word Chapel, and, and we're just cooler than everybody else. Well, I go to Salmon Hall Baptist, and you know, we're cooler than you. you know, it's very easy for people to boast. I'm not saying that's happening, but I'm just making an example. Don't go tell, you know, somebody. <laughs> well, you might. But we've, we've been grafted into spiritual Israel, and we're only a branch, and that's simply grace. The Bible says, but if their transgression, he's talking about the Jews, their sin means riches for the world. He's Why the world? Because it's for all the Gentiles. And their loss means riches for the Gentiles. How much greater will their full inclusion bring? Their loss is our gain. But their loss is not in vain. Because God will not forget his people. Who is the full inclusion? It is the remnant, as he was talking about, those that were coming to Christ in that context... And all those who will trust in Christ who are of Jewish ethnicity. In my, and I wrote this down. In my humble opinion, it means those of Jewish ethnicity who have, who have chosen, past, who are going to choose present, and will choose future. They'll choose Christ before his return. And we Gentiles have been grafted into the this spiritual Israel. Now remember, I want you to grab a hold of the context. It's one tree. Not two trees. There are those that would teach that it is two different methods. I don't see that in scripture. I see one way. I see one people. The people of God. Not two sets of people, not national Israel and the Gentiles that have believed. I don't see that in scripture. By grace is how we come to God and we must never think that we did anything to deserve it. That's why the Bible explains. But some of these branches of Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off and you Gentiles who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root 
of God's special olive tree. In other words, let me just say this real quick. Let me, let me just hold this thought. But we can never bear fruit on our own. We need the nourishment of the sap, the spiritual sap that comes through faith in Christ. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. Well, you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they did not believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe toward those who disobey, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, do you notice how faith is in there all the time? Trust, trust, trust. Believe, believe, believe. Not work, work, work. Are you with me? What Paul is saying is don't turn, into, don't turn your Christianity into works. Ever. Don't turn a righteousness with God into what you can do for God. That doesn't mean we don't do things for God, but don't ever think that, think that what you're doing for God is going to make you any more righteous. We're righteous because of what Jesus has done. I, if I could go up and kind of clap, hit my feet like that, I would do it. But I might fall down because I'm 46 now. Try it. No. Like Duck Dynasty says, no. Yeah, I won't be happy, happy, happy if I do that. But if you stop trusting, you will also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again, for God has the power to graft them back into the tree. Now, in my studies this week, I learned that in those days, in, in the Palestinian in, in, that, in that area, that they would actually, when a, tree, a, 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 not a cultivated olive tree would stop producing, they would cut off a branch, and they would bring in a wild olive branch, and they would graft it. And that, gra that grafting would stimulate the cultivated tree, and it would begin to bear fruit. So Paul, when he's dealing with this, He's, he's, he, the Lord has given him an example from what people were seeing done anyways. And think about that. When we're grafted into this natural, this cultivated olive tree being spiritual Israel, the Gentiles are supposed to, and we do because of Christ, we do bring a, 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 um, an excitement into the, 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 the people of God, them saying, wow, I cannot believe God brought you in. Amen? You hear a testimony, you see, I, I never thought God would bring you in. And I, I, but it's not us that grafted ourselves in there. God did it. The Gentiles who have been grafted into this tree are to produce fruit, which will change our world. And we do this through grace. Point number three. The divine mystery unfolds. I think it's important that we understand what mystery is in the Bible. It's a Greek word. It's called mysterion. 
and it describes new revelation that God discloses that was formerly unknown. It's a truth that is revealed that has been hidden in former times. When you look at mystery in the New Testament, it's always revealed. It's unfolded. And what we see happening is that this divine mystery is unfolding right here. So Paul wrote, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. So the mystery that is unfolding goes like this. Israel is hardened in part. Why do I say in part? Because the Bible shows us that there was a remnant at that time that were coming in. And then Gentiles who believe are saved. And that's going to continue to happen until the fullness of Gentiles come in. God knows when that time is. Until that time happens, keep talking to your neighbors. Keep talking to people at work. Keep talking to people at school. Keep talking to your family. Because that time has not ended until God says it's ended. And then the last part is there's salvation of all Israel. Okay? He goes on to say, so, and so all Israel will be saved. And, and there are many different views on this. It's many different views. There's one view that says all, uh, eth all national Israel will be saved. And I, I can't see that in scripture because it talks to us. It, that would say that the Pharisees were saved. If all Israel saved, national Israel, the Pharisees would be saved. And Jesus said that they would, they would uh, perish. Amen? Uh, uh, John the Baptist said uh, God could raise up stones to be sons of Abraham to the religious leaders. So there are many different views, but it seems best to me that all Israel would be the elect Jews and the Gentiles from all generations. Because I would say spiritual Israel. It's a difficult, difficult way to, to look at it, but I see that the church is included in this special Israel. Amen? Those who have trusted in the Messiah. And the reason that I say that is you have to look at the whole context of the New Testament. Ephesians really helps me. Ephesians 2 talks about a barrier being broken. See, in, the, in, in Old Testament times, the temple, when they would go and worship, there would be different, uh, different uh, places where different people could be. There was the, the what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The court, I'm sorry. The court, there was the court of the, of the, Jewish, the, of the Jews, and that's where the men were. There was a court of the, where the Jewish women went. So there was, a, there was even a, a, a wall that divided them. There was a court where the priests were before that. And then there was a court where the Gentiles were, and they were on another side of a, of a wall. But that's been broken down through what Jesus did. And there's a new person that's been made. And th those are spiritual Israel. Those are people that have trusted in Jesus. And let me read and just uh, confirm that. In, in Ephesians 2, verse 13 through 15, it says this. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away, that's talking to Gentiles, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And he has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility 
by setting aside in his flesh with its commands and regulations. See, the commands and regulations have been done away with. Why? Because Jesus has fulfilled them. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. So when you look at the whole picture, it's a little bit different than just looking at one little bit. Now, I believe that the Bible teaches that there will be a, a huge, enormous um, harvest of the, of the Jewish people. I believe that. But, but we're one people. The church. Amen? Jew and Gentile. The church started in Jerusalem. Okay? With Jews. But Jesus said this. He said, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea. And where? And into Samaria. And then you're going to go to all those other people, the uttermost parts of the earth. And he never said there's going to be two different kinds of people. And there's, no, there's not two different kinds of salvation. There's one. And it comes through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus, in chapter 8 of John, he tells, he tells the Jews, he said, Abraham saw my day and he was glad. Amen? Check me on that. Go to John chapter 8 and read, read up on that. Because the Jews were actually so mad at him, the, the religious leaders. So there's, it just helps us to really understand this. Um, point number four, and I'm going to close with this. Praise be to God for his perfect plan. While much of this chapter is debated, I think it is wisdom to end with this point. Praise God for his, for his perfect plan. And that's why Paul concludes the chapter with these words. And, and, and I just think that we need to really close with these words because we, we are so limited in our humanity, and yet we've been given the Holy Spirit, and he helps us. But for us to think we know everything about God, we're fooling ourselves. And I'm talking about everybody. Amen? That's why Paul wrote, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. Unsearchable means that, that they're not searchable. They're too deep. Amen? And his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? And that kind of goes with the concept of salvation. You know, who's, who's going to tell God, you should save me because look at what I've done for you. God's going to say, uh-uh. Look at what I did for you. Did you trust in my son? If you didn't, you're destined for failure. Amen? For, for from him and through him and for him are all things and to him be the glory forever. Amen. How do we apply this? We have to understand God has a plan. And his plan includes Jews and Gentiles alike. But it centers around Jesus and his perfect sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. And God desires for you and I to embrace his plan of salvation, which is available to all. Now here's my, let's just all bow our heads right now. Here's my encouragement to you.